Welcome to the Golden Mike Podcast, where personal growth simply isn't enough. I'm your host, Mark Cordone, a positive psychology coach, a do-gooder from the island of misfit toys who founded the Joy Revolution. Each week, I'll wrap with an extraordinary guest doing extraordinary things through their own revolutionary work to talk about the ups, downs, and all arounds of life. It's my mission to provoke and empower you through increased joy and inspire you to spark your own revolution to change history for the better. Welcome to the most serious happiness podcast in this multiverse. Welcome to the Golden Mike Podcast. What is shaking? It's your boy, Mark Cordone, Golden Mike Podcast. Now, for those of you who are in love, and I mean in love with that tiny, tightly rolled, deep fried uh, snack called lumpia, this one's for you. Joe Fern, I see your mouth watering right now. It's about lumpia, but more importantly, it's about the story of someone who grew up to do exactly what he wanted through his passions. Uh, Pat- Patricio Ginelsa, how are you, brother? I'm okay, yeah, I'm Mark. <laughs> you're saying it right each time you say it, so you know, you're good, Mark. You're good. <laughs> yeah, so you're over there in Hawaii. You're about to drop basically the last of the movie premiere part of the Hawaiian contingency of your movie, Lumpia with the Vengeance. How are you feeling right now, man? Uh, I'm very anxious uh, just because yeah. uh, it's tonight, you know, and I, I see all the social media stuff. I, I know already how many tickets, or in this case, since it's a drive-in, how many cars have been sold, car tickets. <laughs> so it, it's, you know, it's, uh, and it's, my, it's the first time that any of my uh, projects have been showing up on a drive-in. So it's feeling anxious and feeling always i always get the butterflies last second so i don't have it exactly now but I, i'll feel it when i'm sitting in my car tonight <laughs> in front of the screen oh wow so even though it's done you still get the you still get the butterflies you must be watching like the, the audience reaction and stuff huh? i i do because for me it's about presentation i felt that way this past friday we were showing the theater it's just you know, like I like to control things I can control. So like if the sound's bad or the picture looks too bright or too dark, like I always want to make sure technically that I'm able to make sure that the presentation is just right so that folks who are watching, they experience it the exact same, the exact way I want it to be presented, you know? <laughs> I'm sure you feel, I mean, any artist knows that, whether it's music or books or, you know, movies, you know, like. Oh, yeah. Totally. You want the right experience. Yeah. No, no, nothing nothing beats the experience of actually watching the theater. That's why I've been watching it online and whatever. I've watched this film, I mean, how many millions of times when editing. It's not the same, you know? <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. Um, you know, when we, we met uh, amongst other Filipino Americans who were doing what they loved. You know, I was in a band. Our buddy uh, Ken and Beric owned a t-shirt company. Like, and we were just like hopping around the United States, like just kind of doing what we wanted to, just because it was like these are things we loved doing when we were, you know, if we were we were given the choice. And I feel so fortunate that not only were we given the choice to do that, but like years later, we can still connect around we we can still connect around these things like making movies right well i mean you, you crave that communal uh you know the communal yeah. feeling you know to, be, to to not only be with community but to share things with the community you know 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Now, now here's the thing. Uh, before we go into uh, Lumpia, the legend, <laughs> the movie, right? <laughs> um, the CGI effects. Um, uh, before we go into that, I really want to know what it was like to grow up in Daly City. And I, I mean, I grew up in Brandon, Florida. I mean, the closest Filipino to me is, I think, is New York right now. <laughs> so, like, Daly City is like hot, like a hotbed for Filipinos, from what I know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of like the little Manila of, the, the, of, of America in a way, because um, I mean, it, we had a big concentration of Filipinos. I mean, even in my high school, my senior year, like the entire class president or the, the whole student body was in terms of the board was all Phil, Phil Am, you know, Philippine American. Um, and yeah. so it felt like we were the majority, I think in terms of just ethnicity wise, people of color, it was always, uh, you know, Caucasian was actually the minority in, in my high school. Yeah. Um, no. But also I think, I think it was more important. It was that even our mayor was Filipino American. That's how I grew up. I just grew up knowing yeah. that Filipino was the majority, you know, Right, right. Now, um, in terms of the way that you interacted with, with uh, the other kids, Filipino and non-Filipino, uh -huh. um, did, did you sort of uh, just kind of gravitate towards the Filipinos or, or were, was it all like, was it truly mixed? I mean, my friends were mixed. I, my friends were uh, Chinese and uh, another one was Mexican-American. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I just think, I think in terms of the social aspects of high school, you know, like, you know, usually in, in a typical American setting, you know, uh, like the jock, the high school jock was always the most yeah. popular person in high school. Whereas in, in, in my, in, in my setting in high school, the most popular kid was actually the Filipino DJ, you know, who got you to dances. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, at that time, DJ Kubert was like, he was a, a big celebrity. And if you know anything about DJ Kubert, you know, he invented turntablism. And so he came from our part of town. And so everyone, uh, you know, this whole, I mean, it's a whole different, I, you know, it's funny because, you know, uh, I, I always kind of compare to like American Graffiti. You know, American Graffiti is a popular yeah. movie yeah. that talked about the 50s culture of like, you know, rate, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the cars and all that stuff, drag racing. And then I call it Filipino American Graffiti, whereas in, in our school, it was a different culture. You know, it was import cars and it was DJing, turntables, it was freestyle music. It was, but we, everyone was kind of like that was the setting and but but kids were very american because they listened to everything mainstream and pop culture and we were comic book nerds and i, I grew up a comic book nerd and uh, yeah. so yeah it, it was a weird different kind of americana you know and that was something that i always appreciated growing up because i thought that was what america was until i went to usc and that's when i got my first glimpse that was my real culture class class oh this is what revenge of the nerds and uh you know uh animal houses like these are the real white fraternities that exist like these are real these are aren't in the movies and i got to see like real Greek fraternities when I went through USC. That that was my real introduction to, I guess, the mainstream America that everyone is kind of used to. I mean, what did you grow up watching? Just only TFC? <laughs> no, no, no. And that's the thing. Even with Filipinos, like I was strictly not a Filipino. I mean, my the, the you know, Philip. Yeah. My parents probably watched TFC, but I consumed everything American. You know, comic books, movies, Star Wars. That was our culture, right? Every pop music, you know, rap. We got I, I gravitated to a lot of 
80s i love the 80s pop music i love michael jackson it was just my that was just so you know I, so even within filipino culture we just kind of transposed them over yeah well yeah i mean that's why filipino american culture is so much different than filipino culture and it's just one of those things that i've always learned how to distinguish you know because we have all different kind of interest you know it really is a hodgepodge which which i agree with you it, it makes it different from asian culture or even asian american culture sure like filipino american culture is a beast in and of itself um you know probably to do with uh multiple colonizations right mm-hmm. and an american influence um but uh you know it's it's just this group that is i wouldn't necessarily say that uh, uh filipinos are people who defy their families by blood but more so like the by choice and the people who are around them you're all family you're all barcada right yeah. I think that's the one thing that kind of unites our culture is that we, we have this bond. It's in our DNA. I think what also makes us really diverse is the fact we are have different dialects, languages, different religions, different experiences. You know, it's it's like yeah. Filipinos are – we're really even diverse even within our, our, our ethnicity. So that's – you know, it's it's a beautiful – and sometimes it's a, it can be a, it can be a, a conflicting thing sometimes. You sure, know? sure. So um, going over to USC, like what <laughs> – I'm just imagining, like, going over to USC, like, I'm thinking it was a major culture shock for you. It was. And you know what? The first thing I I, I, I remember lingering into that freshman year was, like, when I found out there was a Filipino club on campus, I joined. I, uh, Choice Philippines <laughs> was, like, the Filipino organization on campus. And I just craved being around people who I, I knew or, you know, was on the same page as I was or kind of – thought like I did, you know, or ate the same food as I did, you know, or, or, or let me, or, or tell me where could I find Filipino food around here in LA. <laughs> um, but, you know, when I was in, when I was in high school, because I, I mean, we even had a Filipino club in high school, um, but I never joined it because everyone else was Filipino. And, and the only people who would join the Filipino club in my high school were really the FOBs, you know, the Filipino immigrants. So, I mean, this is really, really. Eight Filipino. Yeah, and, and then you avoided that. I mean, that was the kind of prejudice in our own community. It was like, I don't want to be associated with that. We're, I, I'm not that, you know. It was kind of like, we're the cool yeah. kids. The cool kids are the American-born uh, Filipinos into DJ and American culture, not not the FOBs who you know, like yeah, who dressed weird or whatever, you know, or listen to, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, eraser heads or whatever, you know. It's like. <laughs> You know, it's, 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 I mean, you know, it's... Bobby Bandura. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know what, I think you're already striking a chord right now uh, in, in terms of sort of the distinction between being Filipino and being Filipino-American. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the things that happened was was my, my, my uncle was coming from the Philippines, and uh, all of us got in line by age, right? And so I was closer to the back of the line, and and they all like lined up for a manopo, right? Mm, mm. And gave him a manopo, manopo, mm. manopo. And when it when it came to me, he goes, "No, Americano." <laughs> that, that was a total Ben Mercado scene in the debut. You know, like that. There was a scene where his Lolo like puts his hand up, and then Dante Bosco's like he just shook his hand. You know, like I can imagine that probably happened right. to you. That is so right. <laughs> Um, okay, so, so so here we are. You're at USC. Was it before or after you ate USC that, that you got a hold of a VHS camera? 
Oh, no, no. It's def- I mean, the only reason why I ended up at USC was because it was my dream school. I, I, I picked up a, a, a camcorder early on when I was uh, like 12 years old, 13 years yeah, old. Let's like, talk about Yeah. That. Yeah. I, I mean, basically, I, you know, I grew up in, in my daily city neighborhood. Uh, there were uh, a bunch of kids, uh, neighbors that I, I, I had pr- in my previous neighborhood where I grew up. I, when I was younger, there were no neighbors. It was a kind of a, kind of a more shadier neighborhood. And when we moved around when I was like 11 or 12, you know, we grew up in this really nice in this neighborhood that was just brand new. And it happened to be a lot. I had a lot of neighbors. They were kind of a little bit younger than me, but we would literally um, play baseball in the park. And then one summer, I just we decided, hey, I got my dad's camcorder let's just for fun let's just shoot stuff you know and sure. you know and so it started out with just very simple skits and stuff but then <laughs> as, as i got deeper into it you know i started saying okay you be you play a karate kid you play a superman you play a magician and the next thing you know we had this uh, little movie called kid heroes you know it was about these heroes protecting their neighborhood you know and um and, and, and so what would happen in that one summer, we would shoot this like hour-long movie for fun. And then we would premiere it later on at the end of the summer, you know, in our house. And then during the school year, well, I do, I put on VHS tape and then we would literally like pass it along to each of our friends in high school and they would take it. It would come with a slam book. I don't know if you're familiar with a slam book, but a slam book, yeah, 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 I don't know if people remember that, but it's like a binder. It's, it's pretty much like a Facebook comment forum as it is now, but they were required to go to slam book and say, what's your favorite scene? What was your favorite character? Which scene didn't need more work? You know, Mark, Mark getting audience research. Yeah, no, but that was the requirement. They wanted to borrow this movie that anybody passed along throughout the whole high school year. And, and it, it, was, it was almost a, a kind of a viral in a way in the high school where, oh my God, did you get Patricio's uh, VHS tape? You know, like, it, you know, like, and what would happen is that by the time the, the next summer and I would want to make another movie, all the folks that had watched it who said, oh, I want to be in the next movie, you know? So we would recruit the following summer, sometimes other kids from the other side of the neighborhood. It'd be some of my friends in high school and we would make kid heroes too you had a bigger cast and same routine we would shoot it next following school year you know send a video to oh my god there's a kid heroes too i want to see that and then when kid heroes 3 came out in like the next summer it was like our infinity gut it was our infinity war uh, version it was like now kid heroes has like has to deal with all these villains and, and like almost half the neighborhoods out in it and my high school buddies you know um, and so we had a trilogy. By then, we had a whole trilogy. Mark, it was it was kind of like, and that's why I, I, I named my neighborhood. Uh, my, my sorry, my, I named my production company Kidderos because that initially how it started. It was a bunch of Filipino kids really just wanting to you know mess around and have fun. So you gotta tell me that that trilogy st- still exists. Oh no! I, 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 you know, in some of the Olympia screenings, people say, "Oh my gosh!" Who grew up in that neighborhood? It's like, I used, I own a copy of the VHS tape. People were copying it. I don't even know people were duplicating. I still have my Kid Heroes VHS tape. I can't play it anymore, but I still have it because I, I, I was very creative. I made these really unique, customized covers on the on the VHS cover, so it had like you know nice artwork that I would draw and stuff. So it was a really nice VHS like customized movie you know I, I really made it more fancier than it, it was and, and, and people still remember that and i think there's a so if you think back to you know if there's lumpia fans now for this new film i mean i go deeper it's not just Olympia one i mean these kids were even younger did kid heroes so if you go way back to that those are the original fans you know the kid ones who heroes. were the ones who, were sla- who signed the slam book yes, <laughs> the ones who signed the slam book <laughs> um so so by the time you went to usc 
did did you have a, a, a mind to go to and, and study filmography or, or anything like that? I, I mean, to be honest with you, you know, I, I'll tell you that, you know, my parents, especially my mom, always thought when I was making these movies with my kids it was just like it was just a hobby you know it was nothing i was gonna take serious do. Uh, yeah you know i mean it's it's always though oh he'll snap out of it and get it become a doctor or something you know but i think what happened was that you know I, there was a movie uh boys in the hood john singleton's film that i watched with my church youth group and i remember what you watched yeah yeah I, I, yeah I, I, hey my 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 my, uh, my church group leader was very really felt that we needed to watch this film and I, I thank her I thank her to this day for me because it was the first movie I remember watching and when the end credits scrolled up everyone left the theater I was just so shocked at what I saw or like just very uh, overwhelmed and inspired by it I sat through the end credits probably the first movie I ever sat through the end credits yeah. and I just remember sitting there and thinking man if this young black filmmaker at 21 could make a movie like this about his neighborhood, maybe me, a Filipino kid, could do that about my neighborhood someday. You know, like it, because I thought when I was making movies, I, I always thought I, I I never really thought of it as a serious career because I in back of my head I was like, there are no other Filipino American kids out there in Hollywood doing this. And why why would I want to tackle something that I knew? that was going to be a, a long shot for me, you know, but when it, for some reason, boys in the hood, like kind of like struck a chord in me. And I remember this happened around my sophomore year in high school. So around junior in high school, the counselor always met with you. And I remember counselor, the high school counselor meeting with me and said, okay, you have to decide now you're about to go senior year. What do you want to pursue past high school? You know, what career you want to pursue? And I, she just told me, I, I you know, I, I just saw a movie. I really want to pursue filmmaking. I, I heard that this John Singleton kid, you know, 21 years old, went to USC. Like, what's USC? I had no idea, like, George Lucas and all these filmmaking greats, like, went there, you know. All I knew was this black filmmaker, John Singleton, went there. And I just wanted to learn everything that this kid did because he was nominated, you know, for Best Director. And I was like, man, this kid is only 21 years old and he's black. I'm like, I want everything he wanted to know. And, and so I, I told him, I want to apply to USC. And I said, that's an expensive school. I don't know if you can afford that you know but she told me no you need to pursue you need to pursue your passion you know and and so that's when i locked myself in and said you know okay usc is gonna be my dream school i'm gonna work these last few years in high school to make sure i can get accepted to a school like usc you know okay now now your, your guidance counselor did not sound like they had <laughs> filipino sensibilities no 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 total total caucasian you know <laughs> It's like Walt Disney. It's like Walt Disney. It's, I needed Walt Disney that, that to tell me that. You know, I gotta stay, keep my dream alive. You know, it was like it was just maintain that positivity. I needed that because my mom was very, was was much a realist at the time. You know, and I, if I didn't have that voice, if, if I didn't have Jiminy Cricket whispering in my ear telling me I could do it, I would have probably you know end up in the belly of the whale or something. I don't know. <laughs> so, so I don't know if Mama's is with us now. Is she? 
Mom's still here. Yeah, yeah. No, total. I, I mean, I. And, yeah. And and how does she feel? How does she feel about uh, Lumpia? Lumpia with vengeance. Lumpia the comic. How, how is she feeling about that now? Um, it's funny because I just talked to her. I mean, literally a week after she saw it on the, the virtual world premiere, and then you know, and of course she's the one I always want to hear about what she thinks about it. Of course, of course. Um, you know, and, and so I finally got to talk to her, and she's, you know, look, my mom was never my most never my number one fan to begin with and so um i mean she enjoyed it she said oh my god it looks different it's, i guess she was expecting the same homemade vhs movie i guess i but she wasn't even close to it you no know, she was she was very impressed and you know my mom liked it you have to understand mark that my mom was never you know like a fan and so it, it took her a long time to convince her it, I, she wasn't even convinced until i got into usc you know and that, that was that, that was the thing is that you know like my my mom went to being my biggest critic to all of a sudden being my biggest cheerleader and somehow got me into USC when we couldn't afford it. Like she totally hustled or something. I don't know what she did to get me uh, the financial uh, aid that I needed to get to USC. So in a way, yes, yes, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so, so actually one of the things that made it almost uh, kind of a pipe dream for USC was that um, your dad retired and he left you. Yeah. And around the same time, I had to make a decision about my career. And that's the reason why, you know, um, yeah. my mom was being a realist because, because my dad had left me in my sophomore year. And it was, it was, it was, it, it was, um, it's a, def it was a, such a defining moment where I had to, um, number one, they didn't understand why this happened, you know, but the consequences were very crucial because number one, I, we had to file for bankruptcy. I had to move out from my favorite neighborhood where I had, you know, basically found barcada, man. Yeah, my barcada, found my, my, my passion in filmmaking. Um, so there's a lot of bitterness in there. And then I found out that they didn't even save, uh, I guess my dad was a gambler or something. And I didn't really have much of a college funds saved up for me you know so yeah keep in touch with, with him now still. oh my dad passed away back in 2003 so my, my dad passed away in 2003 right actually when my first the movie movie premiered in hawaii so that was it's, okay. it's weird ever i come back here i kind of think about you know my dad passed do you um uh, does that at all kind of fuel you um, in terms of the dad, uh, your dad leaving? All the time, Mark. All the time because I'm a junior, so you know, I share his same name. You know, it's like, oh, and I think, wow. I, and I think, I, I think on the, I think when it happened, I remember putting my name. I, I, I even with the first movie, I remember putting the junior. I was very, I was very adamant on making sure the junior popped up in there because I wanted to separate uh, myself from my dad somehow. Um, and I think a lot of it is, of course, the whole point is like, you, you feel unworthy. You feel, why did my dad, why would he, what was it about me that like he would leave me for his sister's family and wanted to retire, be in the Philippines, you know what? And, and so maybe there's a part of me that felt like, okay, maybe that's what made me motivated me to pursue my goals was right. there's a little, there's a little a part of me feels like, okay, I'm going to do this because I'm going to make myself feel worthy. How did how did that change the way or the roles that you played in, in, in your family? Um, I mean, I became obviously I, I had to become the the head. I, I'm the eldest. I have a younger brother. Yeah. Uh, younger brother. Um, so 
my mom was, I think my mom was very, like my mom, I, I started really appreciating what my mom did because she was very strong to consider it. But more so like my mom, every, everyone on my mom's side of the family, uh, my aunt and her sister and her brothers, they came in and they, 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 they lived with us to kind of support uh, so we had a strong boat. Every one of my mom's family supported. So I, I became very initially, uh, I, I kind of took that in as something where, okay, I got to, I have to put in my share now. I have to, I kind of have to uh, stop being so uh, dependent on folks and yeah. start. Yeah. And so that, that kind of woke me up a little bit because I was very, my dad spoiled me a lot when I was younger, you know? Sure. Sure. But would you say that it took a long period of time or, or? You know, once you start focusing, you got over it pretty quick. I, I think I, I, there's part of me that will never get over it, though. I think there's a. Uh, I think, yeah. I think when my dad passed in 2003, because at that point when he passed already, I had graduated from USC. I'd, I'd already been involved with the debut. I had already met my future yeah. wife, uh, it's, and I was premiering Olympia. And so there's a part of me that felt like I already had succeeded, uh, and maybe at that point, maybe it was to really like. You know, at any point when I would reunite with him, I think it'll say, okay, well, when I see my dad again, I can tell him, hey, yo, I went to USC on my own. I graduate. I need your help, you know? So I, I think there was a moment where I felt that everything I accomplished at a point, I was waiting for that moment to, to see him because now I would say, I'm worthy. You know, there's that little, there's that little scene that plays in your head over and over again that you can, yeah, you say, you know, like, I, you, where you can not only tell him what happened to you, but you could say, why did you do it, Dad? Why? Because I never got that answer. But uh, who would have thought that, you know, when he passed away, like the next time I see him, because I rushed from Hawaii, from the Hawaii premiere of Wumpy One, and I rushed to the Philippines when I heard he passed. And so uh, the next thing you know, he's in the funeral, you know, and, and he's and he's sitting there, his body's laid in an alleyway. His view is in an alleyway. And I just remember this this visual, you know, and I, I hate to knock my dad's side of the family. I just, I just, I just see that. I, I, this, is this what he gave up my family for, so that he could be come here to wherever family or his family to be leached on by his relatives, and then now sucked so dry that he's dead here in an alleyway. You know, and his viewing is in the middle. You know what I mean? It, it visually and just I don't know if this was. I mean, everything to me looks like a movie, right? But like I, I felt cheated in a way that I could never get my answers directly from him, and I felt cheated in a way that maybe my motivation was kind of misguided. That guilt came in to me yeah and yeah. i had to really accept that okay I, I, maybe the, I, I don't know i don't ever think there'll be closure and i just had to kind of and, and, and that was the point where i, I took out my junior i kind of like said okay i'm, I'm gonna become him i'm gonna from that point on i'm gonna i want to to i want i want that name you know our name to be you know because whatever people felt about him and just like just all the negative things that my dad did, I, I wanted to make sure that I, you know, kind of carried the name in a more, you know, different light, I guess, you yeah, know? Totally. So that's, maybe that was the turning point in, in a way, and I've just kind of come to terms of just being more forgiving. I think I, I think it's the key word, Mark, forgiving him for what he's yeah. done. Yeah. yeah, letting it go. Yeah. Tell me about this moment where your mom... <laughs> Where your mom in front of um, some school officials embarrassed you uh, on campus. Hey, it's Mark. I hope you're digging the Golden Mike podcast. 
If you have or are just starting your own revolution fueled by joy, there's a site I created for you. If you, like me, believe that personal growth is simply not enough, if you, like me, are committed to changing history for the better in both micro and macro ways, check out joyrevolution.com. In there, you'll find an archive of our over 200 Golden Mike Live Facebook shows and, of course, our podcast that you're currently listening to. Check out the blogs highlighting how positive psychology and joy theory apply to your everyday life. There's even some cool clips from our Joy Revolution course geared towards influencers, speakers, writers, and change agents. It's all there. Go to joyrevolution.com. That's joyrevolution.com. Let's get back to the episode. I, I, I kind of hinted it before is because look, my, so, you know, my mom always said that, you know, because we were bankrupt, right? All this stuff when my dad left. So of course, you know, my mom was being a realist and telling, Hey, you, you got to settle for San Francisco state or some of the smaller schools. They have good film programs. So if you want to do that, well, no, actually, no, she didn't want me to do film she, because she knew that film probably wasn't going to be stable enough financially. And that's not where her path mm-hmm. is. And so, you know, I told her straight up, like, you know, mom, I'm just going to, I apply to USC anyway. I got applied to all the other schools, but I'm going to apply to USC. And so when that letter came in and I got accepted, I just literally went to my mom and I told her straight up, like, you know, mom, I know we can't afford USC, but I got in and that's enough. I mean, that's enough for me. I can, I can, I can learn to live with the fact that I was good enough to go to USC, but I know I have to accept that we can't go. So I'm ready to go yeah. you know, do whatever you want me to do, mom. And at that point, there was this turning point with my mom. Like she, it clicked. Like she, I understand how I would feel. My, my, my son totally, you know, like, like he would say, oh my God, he just proved me wrong. My son is good enough to go to USC. I can't cheat him of that opportunity, you know? So for some reason, she said, we're going to go, we're going to take a tour. It's, you know, there's no cost, you know, well, there's cost, but not, there's nothing, you can't, you don't have to commit to the school. Let's just go see the campus and it's like a tour. tour. Yeah, campus tour that summer. And I said, okay, let's go check it out. And I, you know, my mom became one of those things where she was ashamed of my VHS tapes. All of a sudden, like, we're all these, uh, you know, functions, you know, having lunch with whatever, every department. And she would just, I would never, she would never be sitting next to me. She'd always be away from her, her you know, dinner seat or something or lunch seat, and she'd be. I see her like rubbing shoulders. She, I'd never seen my mom do that. My mom's a real estate agent, so I've never, maybe, never seen her in action, like doing the hustling, you know, and the selling. <laughs> but there she was, telling, "Oh my God, see my son, like, like this is her VHS. His VHS, and like, he, it's almost like he wanted. She wanted to show. She wanted to show the movie to them. Like, is there a VHS? I'll show, my son is really talented. He really needs to go to USC. You know, like, it, 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 you know, it." It, I, you know, I was embarrassed at the time, but I think I was touched. But like, I never seen my mom hustle like that. Yeah, but she got it worked because you know, I mean, I I, I can't like I can't discount my uncles and my aunts helping me out also financially. But the package that they gave me, you know, all these grants was actually really good enough that it got me oh, into school. Amazing! I mean, did yeah. any of the administrators ever talk about that moment where you know, uh, you know I, I I refuse to like, to talk to them again? Like those are moments that I don't. Yeah. But it was funny because actually one of the officials was actually one of her friends who was Filipina. So you know, so it was. 
was like kind of I, I would see her every once in a while. She says, "Oh, come visit." You know, it's it's it, again. That's a, the one official happened to be Filipina. Is that, that's that Filipino connection that will always. <laughs> she just, yeah, she yeah. said I heard the one. Yeah, you never know. I don't. You know, it's it's, it's yeah. Your mother. Yeah. Your mother. Yeah, yeah. But, 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 <laughs> but I tell you that it's a small world also because you know after they 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 saw they were both Filipino, they actually they were connected. Like it's like oh her mom actually be a classmate at her school in the Philippines. Like there's a connection that they actually they're actually related. Yes, that that's how small the community can be is because just because they're Filipino, there's actually a connection. <laughs> it's it's awesome. It is so. Uh, I mean, you and I are probably cousins. We we're probably. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I always say that. <laughs> I mean, I love it, and I can I can relate to 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 your mother because um, uh, not necessarily because of what I do as a dad, but um, I was giving a TED talk uh, last last year, and <laughs> so after the TED talk, we were supposed to stand. Uh, you know, the speakers were supposed to be behind the uh, the, the curtain, uh-huh. and my mom was going. To each row, saying, "Hey, that was my son. That was my son." <laughs> and so afterwards, everyone was like, "Hey, your mom's so nice." And I'm like, what, what did you do? I know. Did you embarrass me again? Yeah. Yeah. She, said, she said, "Get in a picture with." Me. Yeah, like, a oh, Kodak, Kodak moment, Kodak. Kodak you know. Uh, oh my okay, god. Okay, so I want. Okay, so we want to talk about this because. Um, when I think of the movie, the movie, the movie. Oh my God, you're becoming uh, your mom. <laughs> I know. The, when I think of the mo- movie, the debut, the debut, I mean. Or the bot, either way. Yeah. I think of probably the first kind of semi mainstream film that kind of made it out, had a budget, and also like the first, like, American on-screen kiss of two Filipino Americans. I, I, you know, it's weird. I, I never thought of the kiss one as a, a big deal. I, uh, but you're, 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 you, you wouldn't be wrong. You wouldn't be wrong. No, no, no. It's right. It's two brown folks kissing. But I, I guess I never really magnified that moment. I, I didn't think that was a. Uh, I didn't think that was a first. I, you're thinking about it. You're not wrong. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, in the, in American yeah. film. Yeah. No. I, yeah, I, and, and so the, there's this lore to it, right? And. and you were an associate for the movie. Yeah, I was the uh, we called it the Asprod because I was an associate producer. So the Asprod. Asprod. So I I always I have a, I have a secret Asprod club. So when I when I made my associate producers for this new film, I was like, welcome to the Asprod club. You know, <laughs> it's a special credit. So what did that Asprodding entail? Um, <laughs> like, how did you get in touch with them for that? Uh, I mean, was that something where we needed your mom to go over yeah. to the director and Dante Bosco and be like, "Hey, Dante, yeah. <laughs> Asprod him, Asprod"? You know, like, how did that come about? Well, it, it was a whole. I, I mean, look, I, my life. I can tell you, you know, oh, you, know, you go to, you know, school, uh, grammar school, you know, intermediate school, you go to high school, college, right, and then you know, you, you work. But for me, it was college and the, the debut the debut was such a huge chunk of my life where a lot of my yeah. my, my main i would say my highlight experiences came in and um it it, it started out very clear that the filipino club at usc they, the location manager showed up and just said hey we're gonna we're shooting a, a movie called the mercado family debut and we need uh help and volunteers you know and then when i heard that they were making a filipino american movie i jumped at it, of course you know i was like oh my gosh uh, it also came at a time where i needed 
that movie because when I was at film school, even the stories I wanted to make felt very whitewashed. You know, like it didn't feel like I was I had my voice yet as a filmmaker, and so yeah, yeah. I, I I started out that film like uh, being just an intern. I I was a, a pro, I, I started as a production office intern, and when they were shooting, I had to drive a lot of the. Uh, stuff and supplies on set and then because I was so independent I ended up becoming a background talent because they needed more extras and so that was when I ran into Dante for the first time and I, it was my first time in a real movie set you know and, and he had all Filipinos I think that was the one thing that always struck me it was like wow I'm on a movie set and everyone is of color or mostly Filipino on this movie set and then and I just remember just like I want this I love this and I even connected with uh, Dante you know um, and, and that and that was that happened that one year, and then it they didn't finish shooting the movie until like well when I when I reconnected with the director like two years later. This is after I graduated. He still hadn't finished the movie, and I ran into him at a Best Buy, and I'm like, "Oh, hey, is your name Gene? Yeah, hey, what's up with the movie?" And like we just connected in the parking lot and said, "Hey, yeah, we need help. You think?" And I, and I said, "Yo, I'm free. You know, I, I just work. You know, I have a I have an internship somewhere else, but I would love to work." And so he recruited me again. Um, again, I was just helping out with the uh, the grassroots communicating, getting uh, getting more volunteers. And once that movie premiered a year later, I he gave me associate producing credit. But I think he learned me. I think in the way he only gave me credit because he wanted me to work for the. He had a massive plan where he was going to go on tour for the next two years, and I think he knew that I was going to be very interested in going on tour. So I think he gave me that credit because I could stay on and, and help him with the. Self-distribution. You were already like driving your car across country twice for the. Yeah, right. I think that's. I think, and that was my payment and an Asprod credit. You know. <laughs> well, I want to ask you. I want to ask you this. Um, from the debut, the debut, um, debut. Um, what were the? What are the greatest lessons that you learned from that experience? Work ethic wise, I developed my work ethic, and a lot of it was yeah. uh, being a filmmaker. Doesn't necessarily means your job ends when you make the movie. You have to be a salesman. You got to be a marketing person, especially in the independent world. It it taught me that the independent film route was probably the only way I could make a movie about our community the way I wanted to. You know, it, it made me. It really made me uh, realize that the studios were never going to greenlight like green light these kind of films but more so i think a lot of it was because i was very california centric in terms of just like my mind and to to be able to tour around the country and meet other pockets of filipinos throughout the country sure. i drove across country from coast to coast twice you know and this country is actually much smaller than i thought it was you know when you can when you touch yeah when you can go from one end to the other end and it kind of gives you appreciation of the whole country as a whole i mean i could tell you pockets of uh, I could tell you cities when I drove down where I, I experienced really racism for the first time and prejudice and really felt yeah. small I mean I'm in my Honda Civic so you know when you're driving <laughs> and when you're driving next to your trucks and I don't know with confederate flags you're already kind of like oh crap where am I I'm not in California anymore I'm in Kansas so takeaways I mean I've learned a lot I mean I you know there's I can't point to words, but I think a lot of it was just being that I learned a lot about myself, but in terms of really, I really found out my mission statement really on the debut, like what I really wanted to do for the rest of my life is I think is my biggest takeaway. 
Mm, tell me about your mission statement. Uh, my mission statement was like, it, I, I got to tell more stories about community. I mean, and, and I was going to use film as a platform and whatever, whatever medium it was, and, and whether it was a music video or commercial or short film or what I initially wanted to do was, of course, a feature film that I was going to always use it as a way to bring light about our history or about our story. I think, Yeah. I, I guess it's weird because especially with Filipino Americans, I, and this is not until I went to USC, right, to when I was joining the Filipino Club, yeah. did I really get a sense of like culturally and also of our history, especially in American history, our contributions and some of the, yeah. uh, and like any other, I mean, I'm sure, uh, you know, compared to other ethnicities, like I, we have a totally rich connection with American history that's not in normal history books. And I, and I, and I, and I felt, man, as a Phil Am, I, isn't it, shouldn't, like not not just for shouldn't people learn about this? I mean, we contribute a lot, and so yeah. I mean, I, and that's I mean, yeah. So, mission statement really, in a nutshell, was like filmmaking for me was was not a job anymore. It was a responsibility. You know that yeah. that that was what I you know I, I told myself that I was gonna do what I needed to do to develop my skills and use my network to to make sure that we uh, tell our stories. The, that's fantastic because. That's one of the things that bothers me the most nowadays is that um, pieces of time will be either deleted or go untold. And they're crucial for understanding the way that our community uh, came from certain, the origin story of our community or, or where it is that we're going, right? Um, it's, it's, it's incredible to, to have that in the, that piece of time. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you went the, to, from the debut, to and these aren't the music videos because i've got a place for those uh -huh. um to this I, I don't want to call it little but like this no budget you know like this no budget uh movie uh it's about this superhero who kills people with he doesn't kill he doesn't kill people he, he protects he he's not a killer he's not he's not batman he's not like batman he's like batman he doesn't kill okay he doesn't, he's like batman he doesn't, yeah he doesn't kill yeah he doesn't kill okay so uh <laughs> but you know it's, it's super it's, it's this it's this superheroic character uh a character that throws lumpia yeah weaponizes lumpia basically yeah yeah, the, the the one food that you that you love also is now a weapon that you should be fearful of, <laughs> and it's not because of the cholesterol. It's just because. <laughs> so so, where did the idea from for the first one show up? Um, you know, you know, and how did you get it to? Where you got it to? There was a movie called on the other side of the country. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if you heard of the movie El Mariachi by Robert Rodriguez. Uh, that, oh, that, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it was a mid '90s film. It was a, again girl style made film about a Mexican hero who has a guitar, uses it as a weapon. Yeah, right. And, no. uh, and so me and my brother Dar, we were such big fans of that. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> he says, "Oh, what if there was a Filipino version of El Mariachi?" Actually, what would it be like? And as a joke, we just said, "Oh, maybe he dresses himself in a barong tagalog and he just throws lupia." Like he just said that, and I go, "Oh, that's hilarious!" And I just took that idea, and I'm like, "Dude, we can." And then my brother's like, well, "I was just kidding." And I'm like, "No, no, no, you got something there." <laughs> and, and to this day, I've been just trying to justify that 
ridiculous concept for the longest time. Uh, but we used that idea because we were thinking of reuniting the kids that we shot the Kid Heroes movies with. Um, and so, uh, you know, one summer when I came home from USC and I was already in the middle of film school at that point, yeah. you know, I was like, ah, oh, you know, it'd be nice. Let's, it's summertime again. It's our season to make movies. That's, uh, you know, I, I wrote a script, you know, I wanted something more narrative driven. And, uh, you know, we felt we had, we're more technically advanced. So we got a hockey stick with a mic on it as a boom uh, mic, you know, <laughs> you know, but, but look, at least we were able to record dialogue, you know, nicely, not, you know, not, 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 not from the camcorder, not straight from the camcorder you know what I mean? <laughs> straight from the camcorder so we just put it on a hockey stick or yeah on a hockey stick yeah <laughs> and then we got all the kids back together again and they thought they could act better as when they were kids and uh that's lumpia one we shot that that well not we didn't finish that movie we shot probably like half or three quarters of it that initial summer before i had to go back to usc one of the things that i really enjoyed about that movie was the way that that movie became a magnet for Filipino Filipino American artists? Uh, it, it was almost like a showcase mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. sorts. Um, you know, like uh, you know, there's the film aspect. Uh, then there's uh, you know, characters making um, uh, sort of there's character uh, actors that we we you know there's actors in there. And then there was the music part. Like I I, I remember jumping up and down when uh, our our song made it into your your playlist and I was yeah. like, whoa and and so in so many ways it brought together the different type of uh uh creative avenues that we as filipino americans growing up were we had no other avenue to put it into and it came in, in as a movie i thought it was incredible well remember i learned all of that because from the debut you know i mean i i i, I one of my jobs as the Asprod was to 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 uh was to gather in a lot of these uh music that was being uh, you know they they were being submitted and so i had to listen to all these music from all over uh independent artists some of them mostly filipino and uh, I think that was the one thing I, I heard. I, and some of this music was like, it, it was it was great. It was just as good as any radio song at the time. And so I felt it was a crime that some of these songs weren't being, uh, weren't heard, uh, you know, on a massive level. So in the same way, I I remember that for Lumpia, I felt, okay, well, you know, we did that for the debut. And we the only reason why we made Lumpia was because there was an appetite for more movies when the debut came out. So I just kind of threw Lumpia in there. Literally, but then yeah, but even then, we're, we we put you know Tito Felix in there. We put some of the other uh, music, but even then, not even new music. Mark, we were putting in classic music, like freestyle music. We had a Buffy song there, like "Give Me a, a Reason," which for me, if we're trying to remember our history, you know, Finland pop music, like these were artists that had hit the mainstream prior, but people had forgotten about it. So to include, and I was able to secure the rights to some of these older songs. It, it it solidified exactly, okay, Filipino-Americans, this is not a one-off thing. They've been doing this, you know, even in the past. So even even bringing that, that, that culture back in the garage party, that was part of what I call, you know, that part of that lifestyle of, the, of being Philam in the Bay Area. So it was so fun to watch, like, um, the little previews and vignettes that came from it. So now, here we are. So what is it? Seven years, ten years later, twenty years later. <laughs> How many years has it been? And the vengeance is out. <laughs> the vengeance is out. Um, you now are, are working with 
uh, on a higher budget. Uh, I mean, I, I saw the, the clips and it's like, it's not only like drawn, uh, you know, you know, box style in the comics, like those uh-huh. comics were very much alive, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh, did you, did you always want to bring back Lumpia or, or was there a spark moment that you had to, to be like, I, I, some I, money for it? Yeah, well, what, we got a crowdfunding, right? Yeah, no, that, that's that's what started. We were celebrating the tenth anniversary of the original yeah. film uh, yeah. seven years ago. This was like 2013, and then we just and then crowdfunding was a thing back then. It was like everyone was crowdfunding something. Yeah. We felt like okay, myself and AJ, you know, my my creative partner, Zalo from Films, we just said, hey, let's let's start a crowdfunder. I, I mean, I have I, I have somewhat of a an idea for a sequel people wanted it and let's see if there's an appetite out there for it i i, I think we can all agree that between now and the debut like there hasn't really been a filipino american film that has become a phenomenon or hit the mainstream conscience since yeah. the debut i mean Romeo was very small i don't even want to include that into the yeah. into the picture but so i i felt like okay let's see if this movie's worth making and uh, you know we i, I mean it was a uh, we almost we, we for some reason that last night of our Kickstarter, we have a video of it. I mean, we we were we were already down like twenty thousand. We we weren't sure if we were gonna make it, and then something beautiful happened that last night, which I still can't explain to this day. Like we went viral, and you know, like like every, I remember that last day, every hour or every ten minutes, there was like a ten dollar donation, hundred dollar donation, all from people who had no idea who they were, you know. <laughs> um, and then we were striking distance, and we like with two hours left, we hit our fifty thousand dollar like like our 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 our, our goal. Um, and we happened to be live streaming that night, so that the moment was captured uh, when we hit it. Oh, so, that's incredible! Yeah. So yeah, so the community, the backers, the loopy lovers, they greenlit this this crazy movie, not the studio. Um, and I'll tell you that even though fifty thousand was enough to make the movie initially, that's why it took us seven years to make. But I, anytime we felt like we were gonna give up, Mark, or we were gonna, you know, we had a, we were tempted to like just throw in the towel. We always remembered the seven hundred twelve back that greenlit us um, because we knew that they were waiting for us. It, 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 it's, it's a problem that other filmmakers, use. it's the opposite of, of most problems that other independent filmmakers have because usually they'll have the funding, they'll finish it, and then they struggle to find an audience for their completed movie. Whereas for us, we were having you know problems financially and resources-wise, but we knew we had at least 712 members waiting for us. So... <laughs> You know, we had an audience waiting for it. It was just a matter of delivering a worthy project to them. And so we didn't want to deliver something half-assed. Hence, yeah. the time it took. We had time. We, no one was telling us we had to finish it at a certain time, you know? Yeah. It was – it's incredible to watch the um, – it's incredible to watch the uh, the clips and the scenes from that one as well. Yeah. I actually want to ask you about uh, both Lumpia and Lumpia with – uh, vengeance uh-huh. now with the characters uh, these are some very strong characters right uh you know um it's 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 combat but then there's sort of uh sensibility to some of the characters what are these characters or who inspired some of these characters is that you the guy who throws the lumpia in, the, in people's mouths um, it, you know, I would say that every character in a movie, in a way, is is kind of me in, in, in some sh- shape or form, or, and it could be different uh-huh. phases of me. I mean, uh, our main character in Lumpia One, Mun Mun, you know, James, he's the he's the guy that gets bullied by Tyrone, right? The the American, uh, the, the the I call him the Tupac looking guy, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I was bullied in, in high school. I mean, even in grammar school. I mean, I experienced. 
I think now that I th- thought about, it, I think I was traumatized a little bit, and I never admitted it. So I, in a way, I always I knew how it feels to be bullied. I also know how it feels to be the bully. You know, where you know, I remember when I was a, a kid making these kid heroes movies. Sometimes I'd be like, the kids don't want to, don't want to, like you know, they don't want to, you know. So oh, I'm tired. I don't want to shred it. But I was like, come on, please. You know, I, I'm, I'm not, not, not bullying in a, like a total negative way. But, like, you know, what I mean, like, I, I, I would I would somehow convince them to kind of like, let's just keep going, you know. And um, and then I, I can I can also relate to Kuya, you know, the the uh, the silent Avenger, the hero throws Lumpia yeah. uh, because a part of me just wants to keep all these factions together, you know, and 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 it's not about protecting one or the other. This is a spoiler for the first movie, but it's not, it was never about like a certain hero really just on one side. It was really just settling our differences and like, you know, being the Rodney King of it all. Like, can we all just get along kind of thing, you know, kind of that, that kind yeah, of. Yeah. So really it, it, it was kind of like what it sounds like actually was that you, you dug deep with inside of yourself and you found the different archetypes uh, of you, the shadow, the light, and and you kind of turned them into characters. Yeah, no, I, 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 I maybe I, I wasn't consciously doing it at that time because a lot of it was based on comic books. But you know, I, I think that for the first time, unlike the, I mean, maybe you could argue the Kid Heroes had some sort of point. Everything was kind of based on comic books when I did like every, any Marvel. I was a nerd growing up, so I, everything uh, with the Kid Heroes series or anything I made beforehand before Lumpia was really kind of based on what I read or what I had right. watched movies but lumpia the first one it was a chance for me to kind of develop my voice for the first time to kind of take the aesthetic of a comic book but then when it came to the story like really dig deep in terms of what i was trying to say but i'll tell you i remember we did finish shooting that movie that first year so that, that I did, it, it took us another seven years to complete the first film yeah. but that layoff actually made me rewrite the ending when i reshot it because it made me kind of rethink of what I was trying to say. So in a way, Lumpy One really helped me develop my the, the voice, my, my unique voice uh, yeah. as a storyteller, but also trying to really dig in t- deep into the experiences, what themes I wanted to convey, you know? Okay, so are you, is, are you at all willing to tell us what the original ending was? The original ending was very simple. So uh, Edward uh, Baon, uh, you know, Tyrone's character, <laughs> and then there was the original Kuya, played by his brother, Carlos Baon. They they were both black belts in, in uh, I, I, some sort of karate. I don't know exactly which discipline. So I, I, I always... I always felt that, man, it'd be nice to make a movie where there's a big final fight between the villain Tyrone and, and, and this, because they, you know, they're all like, we can just choreograph and go crazy. Like, so the whole ending of the movie was supposed to be this, you know, your typical fight scene where, you know, two back belts can just go at it. We never really shot that ending. We ran out of time. And so when, you know, the ending, I mean, spoiler alert again, it, 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 it was kind of building to that ending, but then I realized that, okay, it's not about, <laughs> you know, stopping Tyrone. It was about revealing that really, like, it's 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 about the just stopping the fighting versus stopping uh, siding for one side. You know, like it was in in, in 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 a weird way. So the Lumpia was kind of a use as a vehicle because Lumpia wraps everyone together. Lumpia brings everyone together. It's kind of like the main kind of theme. So you know, can we coexist all inside this rapper? So that's why he uses that as a kind of this mo. You know, it's because he want. It's almost a reminder of the cultural aspect of it. So in the end, when you th- when you see Moon Moon about to really get back and Tyrone beat him up, it's actually. Kuya that stops 
Moon Moon from getting it. And he puts a little bit in Moon Moon, the hero's mouth, versus <laughs> the villain. So it, 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 I think it's an ending that surprises, but it, it works thematically uh, in, in this kind of wacky way, in a way that uh, it works better than the original ending, I think, than what it could have been, right? I think... But I think that, that the extra time and, and just really the experience of touring with the debut kind of really made me yeah. rethink uh, the just what I was trying to say with the film. Absolutely. I, I love it. I love this discussion. Is there a Lumpia 3 on the way? I'm not opposed to it. And to be honest with you, because of all the, the love here at, Lump, uh, at the, the Hawaii International Film Festival, I broke a story. I, I actually have, uh, I've been writing a lot of notes. Um, so look, I'm not, if we are lucky to uh, do a part three, I am totally prepared to develop it. <laughs> if there's a demand for it, <laughs> if there's a demand for it, I'm not opposed to it. It may not be my next movie, but you know, it's okay. definitely something that, I would love to do because everything comes in tr threes, right? Trilogies. It, it just feels like you can't, you can't, you can't just end it in two. You can't be like Ghostbusters or what, what other uh, franchises that no, ended, no, no, in, ended no, in part no. two. You know, <laughs> you know. I, we want that. We want that fully, fully satiated feeling that yes. the trilogy is over. Yeah. And, yeah. If, and if that's the case, you give me a call. I'm there. <laughs> I'm, I'm your extra. Okay. But I can't do it for seven years because my tummy's getting bigger every year. So like you can be the stand-in for the hero. How about that? <laughs> I'd love it. Stop, stop standing. I'd love it. And of course, if you do, uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll announce it here in the community. Um, this it's been so much fun catching catching up with you. But that sounds a close like a closer, but it's not. <laughs> this is the part of the credits where they show you an extra bonus footage. Oh, right? oh nice, nice. So <laughs> I have something for you, my friend. It's the bonus round, oh. and uh, I don't know if you you know this, but my my company is called the Joy Revolution. Yes, right. And it's called the Joy Revolution because, like you, you know, when you were younger, you, here you are bullied, blah blah, uh, or even the story of of Lump uh, the ending of Lumpia. It's not just me versus you, right? It, oh. It's this uh, revolution of the heart, right? Where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling pure joy in this moment. Of course. Or a joy revolution can be uh, you leading a mass amount of people in joy to make change in the world. So Pat Pat Patricio, when I ask you what your joy revolution is, what do you say? That I was able to lead a bunch of misfits and a lot of talented folks to really create something very beautiful. I mean, from the community, how it started from a crowdfunding and getting 712 backers to Angel to be getting a cast of Mark Munoz and Danny Trejo. Like, it started out with these neighborhood kids. And nothing made me joyful to the moment where you see the final beautiful product, you know, and seeing your own friends you grew up with acting alongside a Hollywood legend like Danny Trejo. That, that for me was the, that was the, for me, what that was the revolution. Yeah. 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 And, I, and, I, and I became a dad in, in this whole process. I think that's this, this whole experience the last seven years has just been crazy because so much, so much stuff happened to me in the last seven years. You know? Yeah. Yeah. When you brought up, you had a kid, I was like, what? Yeah. I, still, I still thought we were 18 and <laughs> But, but uh, yeah, we definitely – anytime you want to come back, just let me know, Patricio. No problem, Mark. This is fun. This is fun. So 
that's the golden mic y'all and on behalf of patricio and myself for your sake for my sake for goodness sake start your revolution in light in love in shadows and enjoy take care see ya love that loop yo <laughs> i hope you enjoyed the golden mic podcast there's more good stuff coming your way but until the next episode let's stay in touch yes find us on instagram as the joy rev the joy rev or communicate with like-minded revolutionaries in our Facebook group. Search The Joy Revolution Underground. And of course, don't forget to check out the classes, articles, blogs, and some serious fun at joyrevolution.com. That's joyrevolution.com. Now until then, what will you do to change history for the better? Let's go out and play, shall we? Press start to begin. Yeah. <laughs>